This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, the White House urges Americans that want out of Sudan to leave now. Meanwhile, fighting continues to rage in some areas despite the extension of a fragile truce. Former President Trump holds his first rally since President Biden announced his 2024 bid. Find out what Trump had to say in our summary of his New Hampshire event. FBI Director Christopher Wray outlines the challenges his agency faces in cyber warfare. We share what he had to say about threats against the U.S. Home buyers, listen up. Good news if your credit score isn't as pristine as you'd like. You may see lower fees when taking out a mortgage starting next week, but there's a catch for the credit worthy. Hello to our viewers. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Tiffany Meyer, and for Evelyn Lee, today is Friday, April 28th. See, so you got that smile on, Tiff. Keep it up, because we got some tough news to break. Medical genocide, chaos at the border and in Sudan. But be sure to stay to the end for some relaxing times and a whale of a good time. All right, Tiff, kick it off for us. Topping the news today, three U.S. Army soldiers were killed in a helicopter crash yesterday. One is injured. The accident happened in Alaska near Fort Wainwright, where they're based. Two Army Apache helicopters collided mid-air on their way back from a training flight. Each helicopter carries two people. Two of the soldiers were pronounced dead at the scene. The third died on the way to a local hospital. There's been no word on the extent of the survivors' injuries. The crash will be investigated by an Army combat readiness team. The White House is advising those Americans who want to leave Sudan to go immediately. Meanwhile, the Pentagon says it's working closely with the State Department to identify the number of Americans seeking to depart the war-ravaged nation. NTD's Daniel Monahan brings us more. Those numbers are relatively... Brigadier General Pat Ryder says the number of Americans attempting to flee the violence in Sudan is relatively small. However, we do recognize that that could change quickly. So Ryder says all options are on the table. But right now, we remain primarily focused on an overland route as it allows a few things. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre reacts to the situation on the ground. This is a dynamic environment, and any option entails a degree of risk. But she says the conditions are unlikely to improve. We encourage Americans who want to leave to take advantage of the options that are available to them in the next 24 to 48 hours. Meanwhile, clashes between militia groups and civilians have renewed in Sudan's West Darfur state. This as the situation in the rest of the country deteriorates. Shortages of vital water supplies and food prevail, while widespread looting and hospitals being targeted has been reported. Armed fighters rampaged through the city of Janina on Thursday, battling each other and looting shops and homes. The violence came despite the extension of a fragile truce between Sudan's top two generals, whose power struggle has killed hundreds. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Former President Trump went over his policies at a campaign event in New Hampshire yesterday. He focused on painting a stark contrast between himself and President Biden. 
NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has a summary of Trump's appearance at the Granite State. Trump touted endorsements from over 50 state lawmakers during his Thursday speech in Manchester. He says the U.S. is a nation in decline under the current administration. The choice in this election is now between strength and weakness, between success or failure, between safety or anarchy, between peace or conflict and prosperity or catastrophe. We are living in a catastrophe. The former president vowed to lower taxes and make policies to help lower inflation and gasoline prices if re-elected. He wants to back construction of a natural gas pipeline through New England. Other policies brought up were boosting immigration enforcement and funding for police agencies. A Trump victory will be bad for the globalists, the rhinos, the communists, the Marxists, but it will be great for the hardworking people of New Hampshire. The rally was Trump's first since Biden declared his 2024 run. A potential rematch could be in the cards, a contest Trump seems eager for. That gorgeous, beautiful White House, we have to take it back. We're going to beat him at the ballot box and we're going to settle our unfinished business. It's Trump suggested there's no need to debate his Republican rivals because of his lead in the polls, but said he's looking forward to debating Biden. The 2024 candidate took questions following his speech and then mingled with the crowd, shaking hands and chatting. He then headed to a diner to mix with voters. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Security camera footage from a migrant center in northern Mexico captured the moment a deadly fire started at the facility. The blaze killed at least 40 people last month. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story. The footage begins with a large group of people standing in line. Colorful foam mattresses can be seen rowed up on the debris-littered floor. Migrants locked in a cell area talked to officers. Suddenly the bars are covered with mattresses and smoke begins to billow out. A separate shot shows women in a room with bunk beds as smoke begins to stream in. One woman can be seen putting on her shoes as others begin to panic and escape the room. The rooms are soon totally filled with smoke. The blaze was allegedly started by inmates setting fire to their mattresses. Authorities say they were protesting their detention conditions and looming deportation. Apart from the 40 who died, 27 others were seriously injured. A group of migrants gathered outside the burned exterior of the migrant center in a vigil for those who died. Paola Munoz discussed how she feels seeing the video. A sense of desperation in the video, wanting to be there at that time to try to help people. The migrants called for justice. Let all those who have to be punished be punished. Let no one go unpunished. We won't allow for impunity. The facility is used by Mexican authorities to temporarily house migrants who illegally attempt to cross the border. It is located in downtown Juarez near the Rio Grande River. Tensions were already running high between authorities and migrants before the incident, with shelters full of people trying to cross into the United States. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Chaos at the border is expected to grow after a key immigration measure expires. Yesterday, House Republicans and the Biden administration each unveiled their own plans to secure the border. NTD's Melina Wisecup has the details on these differing proposals. 
House Republicans tell us they're prepared to bring a border security package to the floor for a vote in the coming weeks. This package includes reforming the asylum process, restarting construction of the border wall, hiring more Border Patrol agents, among other measures. GOP leadership tells us this is the Republican fix for the illegal immigration surge. It deals with the unaccompanied alien children issue I just talked about. It deals with the Flores situation, deals with asylum, E-Verify, parole authority, and of course the Remain in Mexico policy. But Democrats aren't buying it, saying that this would create even more chaos at the border by essentially shutting down the asylum process. This GOP proposal comes at a time when Title 42 is expected to end in just two weeks. The Biden administration, since taking office, has flip-flopped between trying to discard Title 42 and making extensions to keep it in place. Now the Biden administration is warning of an expected influx in illegal immigration once this pandemic-era policy does come to an end, they announced a new proposal to create more processing centers in Central American countries to reduce some of this influx. Secretary Mayorkas sent a message to cartels when he announced this new plan. Take a look. The smugglers' propaganda is false. Let me be clear. Our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th. This is a hemispheric challenge that demands hemispheric solutions. Part of that proposal is to uh, create more processing centers in Central America. Do you think that would in any way reduce the volume of migrants coming to the U.S. border? What President Biden and Secretary Mayorkas are doing are doubling down on the failed policies that created this problem rather than working with us to solve the problem. Whenever you say we're going to create a quicker pathway into the United States, more people are going to come. And then they get here and they, they call home and say, hey, the door really is open. So they, everybody else comes. And the more that incentive happens, the wave just gets bigger and bigger. This GOP proposal is expected to be a party line vote because it does only focus on border security and does not include any immigration reform like Democrats have been pushing for. So while it is likely to pass the House in May, its fate in the Senate is an uphill battle. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. FBI Director Christopher Wray says the U.S. is falling behind in a cyber war with the Chinese Communist Party. He testified before a House panel yesterday. Wray says hackers from the Chinese regime outnumber U.S. cyber specialists by 50 to 1. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more from yesterday's hearing. Ray defended President Biden's 2024 budget request in his testimony before the House Appropriations Committee on Thursday. We will put those critical resources towards ensuring the FBI remains the world's premier cyber investigative agency. The GOP debt limit bill passed in the House would cut FBI funding by 22 percent. Ray says the cut would mean scores of threats from the Chinese Communist Party or CCP go unaddressed. And I can assure you the Chinese government is not dialing back. Ray says FBI investigations into the CCP and their actors have increased by over 1,300 percent. He says the FBI blocks around 15 million cyber attacks on U.S. infrastructure every week. Ray argued the 22 percent cut being proposed by Republicans would further benefit the CCP's cyber dominance. And the FBI director says it's not just the Chinese regime that poses a challenge in cyberspace. Countries like Russia, Iran, and North Korea. <clears throat> and it is getting more and more challenging to discern where the nation-state threat ends and the cyber criminal threat begins. 
Many Republicans have expressed concerns that the FBI has become more partisan in recent years and accused the agency of focusing on targeting Democrats' political enemies instead of prioritizing the protection of American citizens. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Speaking of China, Chinese police have questioned staff at a U.S. consultancy firm based in Shanghai. Police first visited the offices at Bain & Company around two weeks ago. Initial reports indicate some of the company's phones and computers were confiscated. The police reportedly made more than one visit to the offices, although the purpose is unclear. It's also unknown whether the raids were connected to the firm or its clients. According to a statement by the company, several staff were questioned, but no arrests were reported. The incursion came in the wake of a raid at U.S. firm Mintz Group in Beijing last month and amid heightened tensions between China and the U.S. The American Chamber of Commerce in China says U.S. businesses are growing pessimistic about their prospects in the country. That's right. And coming up, a horrific human rights abuse in communist China exposed in a documentary. We have audience reactions after a public screening. And mortgage fees are changing next week, and how those fees change depend on your credit score. Stay tuned for that, and some advice on whether it's better to rent or buy right now. A horrific human rights abuse in communist China. A public film screening in Delaware raised awareness about forced organ harvesting. Doctors and students who saw the documentary said they are shocked to learn about this abuse. Here's the story. The documentary Medical Genocide exposes the Chinese communist regime's practice of forced organ harvesting from prisoners of conscience. Those who saw the movie Wednesday at the University of Delaware told NTD how they felt. The horrors are just unimaginable, unexplainable. Uh, as the speakers rightly said, awareness is key. We've got to spread the word of what's going on. It's been too long. What, 23 years? I feel like it's a very a topic that I wasn't aware about that needed to be discussed more. It was very informational. And I feel like it should be taught more like in classes and stuff like that. Like when I had a like I had a class that I talk about conservative topics in the world and everything, and they never mentioned this inside the class or nothing like that. I was very surprised to see just the, the sheer number of the force organ transplant that's happening. Um, and uh, I'm glad that we were able to host this event. And, um, and I'm hoping that we're going to be able to host more events in the future to bring awareness to such a horrible crime. For roughly two decades, the Chinese regime has been forcibly extracting organs from living prisoners of conscience, mainly Falun Gong practitioners, to sell for profit. This has been corroborated by experts, witness testimony, and independent panels. Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, is a spiritual meditation practice based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. The Chinese Communist Party has run a brutal persecution campaign against practitioners since 1999. Millions of adherents have been detained, and an unknown number have died from slave labor, torture, and other abuses. It's very moving. I didn't realize the scale of the problem. I didn't realize that there were that many people at risk. And I also didn't realize how, um, how bad it is and how the American companies and European companies are so intertwined in this trade, and it's basically being sanctioned by every government and business globally. 
The documentary highlighted that China's transplant industry profits from people around the globe who travel to China for on-demand transplants. Those who attended the event say Americans can take action to raise awareness on this issue and help stop the abuse. I think what we do, and, and I've tried to do this on a small level because I'm just one person, we need to boycott China and stop buying from China as much as possible, but it's very difficult to do. So it is important, I believe, for the politicians to have these resolutions that make it public. I really believe that there are actions the U.S. can be taking that can make a difference, and it, it's going to be multifaceted. I think there should be no reason why we can't pursue angles such as with the legislation that was discussed, but also through insurance companies and you know, through awareness of different companies that are um, benefiting and supporting you know, this uh, atrocity uh, against humanity. Last month, the U.S. House overwhelmingly passed a bill to punish communist China for forced organ harvesting. It would sanction anyone involved in the act and requires annual government reporting on such activities taking place in foreign countries. It's the first non-symbolic bill passed in the U.S. that counters the atrocity. Kansas passed a new law yesterday dubbed the Women's Bill of Rights. Senate Bill 180 defines a person's sex as their biological sex at birth based on their reproductive systems. The state's House and Senate voted to override the Democratic governor's April 20th veto of the bill. A coalition of right- and left-leaning women's groups celebrated its passage. It gives Kansas lawmakers the authority to preserve single-sex spaces. Those include public restrooms, locker rooms, athletic teams, domestic violence shelters, and dormitories. The bill also creates accommodations for those born with sexual development disorders. Are you searching for a home? There are some changes coming to mortgages. I wanted to find out how fees and interest rates are expected to change, so I spoke with the head of a lending group. Take a listen. Joining me now is Joshua Goodwin, the owner of Goodwin Mortgage Group. It is great to have you with us, Joshua. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. What can you tell us about these upfront fees for loans that we're expected to see next week based on credit scores and down payment size? Yeah, so uh, what the articles have been stating is essentially everyone's in panic, thinking that the, the higher your credit score is and the more you put down, the worse your rate is going to be, which is almost on points. And then the lower your score is, the less money you put down, the better your rate's going to be. So. That's, that's a brief summary of it. Um, in reality, what is taking place right now is even with a lower credit score still, your rate is not going to be as favorable, but the cost for that rate, so let's just say before this change took place, they would have had 2.5% in points. Now, instead of 2.5% in points, it's 1%. So the rate is still costing, it's just not costing as much. So that money needs to come from somewhere. And who that does come from is, you know, your 780 buyer putting down, you know, 10, 15%. Their rate is going to be a little bit higher than what it used to be. I see. And what have banks done in response to this anticipation of this real change? So the lenders, especially even for our institutions, the, these rules have already been put into place and they've been effective, at least for us. And I know a few others for over a month now. So for those that are looking to purchase a home, it's not a complete panic. I mean, the rates that you've probably already been getting quoted have that change already in effect. The 30-year mortgage rate right now for interest is about 
and yep, forecasters roughly. show that for a three hundred thousand, yeah, that's for a three hundred thousand dollar loan at twenty percent down. Economists say this won't drop below six percent until the second half of the year. What do you expect here, and and is it better to wait, or are we going to just run into more competitive housing market? I mean, so for example, I'm, I'm in Tampa, Florida, right? So our market is still increasing. I think it's already up over three percent this year. So I'm a big believer in if you can afford the payments, if it doesn't put you in financial duress, it is always better to own because if you rent, your rents can increase as well as prices continue to go up. So for me, if you can afford the payment, you can always refinance at a later date once rates start, you know, to come down. Which, you know, we hope we might see some uh, so, some decrease towards the end of the year into next year. But, you know, your crystal ball is as clear as mine. Well, Joshua, there's a report out by the National Multifamily Housing Council. It says that owning a home right now costs about $1,000 more per month than renting. Is it better to rent or own right now? I would say it depends on the market, right? So I don't, I don't currently have any properties that I rent myself, as in me living in them. Um, I'm in the process of building a few properties to rent them uh, because I know how good the rental market is here in Tampa. So depending on what you're renting and where you're renting, I know various friends that live in Water Street, downtown Tampa, and their rent is anywhere from five to 7,000 a month. So in that bracket, it would be more advantageous to buy. Um, I'm a big believer even if, you know, rates have increased, like I said. I'm, I'm a big proponent for buying a home even over renting. Yeah, the financial bottom line makes a big difference. And, you know, there's that sentimental value about owning your own place and being able to do some home improvement. Joshua Goodwin, owner of Goodwin Mortgage Group, it is great to hear from you. Yes, thank you again for having me. Still to come, a New Orleans student is a senior at 16, and he's on his way to break the records for scholarship offers. Find out more right after the break. Welcome back. A New Orleans student has become a source of pride for school administrators. He is on his way to break a record for scholarship offers, with well over 100 offers so far, totaling millions of dollars. And it is Cost Jimenez has the story. Dennis Malik Barnes of New Orleans is a senior at 16. With a grade point average of 4.98, he's earned 27 college credits, even before graduating from high school. But perhaps the most impressive numbers are his college scholarship offers. Very consistent, um, very diligent. Whenever I put my mind to do something, very persistent. Um, and those are just characteristics that I've been told that I have. I mean, sometimes I notice it, but not necessarily that's just me as a person. But I think that those are definitely qualities that have pushed me towards success. Dennis has received close to 130 college scholarship offers so far, totaling almost $10 million. But Dennis says his purpose is not to strive for a record. His goal is to find the right fit educationally, coupled with the best financial offer. I would love to get out. I really would. I would love to see something new. This is where I've been born and raised so far. That's, I would like to venture out and get new experiences. Dennis says he plans to major in computer science as an undergrad, and he's thinking about law school. Cost MNS, NTD News. And Kevin, we are heading to the weekend. Yeah, you got that right. You know what I'm thinking? What? 
spa day. Oh, okay. I've heard those are relaxing. Even though I've never been to one. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not the only one thinking of relaxing because researchers in Australia have released some remarkable videos of humpback whales. They followed the mammals for more than a year and observed an interesting behavior. These whales are rolling on the seafloor to exfoliate dead skin and remove parasites. Scientists say it's important to maintain skin health. It also helps feed the ocean, as fish can be seen feeding on what is scraped off. Wow, Mother Nature's spa. I think they have a better skincare routine than I do. <laughs> oh, wow, okay, it's saying something, huh? <laughs> yeah, I never knew that whales could relax like that. I mean, look at them. They seem to be having a wonderful time. Yes, yeah, more to, good fun to come. The, the seabed's not going anywhere. <laughs> It's free for them, so. <laughs> and we hope you all are having a great time, too. That's all from our program today. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to share your thoughts and stories to us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Tiffany Meyer. And I'm Kevin Hogan.